Hi everybody, before I jump into this episode, I want to let you know that the Money Medicine Clinic podcast is sponsored by my private members club, the Abundance Clinic Membership. This membership is filled with tools to help you manage your money with confidence and it is expanding all the time. So we often have guest sessions on all sorts of topics ranging from budgeting, manifesting, mindset, saving, investing and building a side hustle and basically everything in between. And I also run two live sessions a month on Zoom so you get to meet the other members regularly face to face. Um, We talk about money mindset, our money personalities and I answer general money questions which often the whole group will jump in and help to support you with as well. So if you'd like to see it for yourself in action, then I'd love to offer you $10 off to try it out for your first month. You can try everything out. Nothing is held back from you. You know, you can do everything with this $10 off. It's absolutely incredible value if I do say so with myself. So use the link bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash abundance clinic and apply the code TAKE10 in capital letters, so T-A-K-E 10 at the checkout. And I hope you'll enjoy this opportunity to see for yourself how awesome the Abundance Clinic is and how it can help you with everything to do with your money. So now that's it. Let's get on with the episode. there we go so we are live hi everybody this is Catherine Watkin Woo! we're here <laughs> very excited that you are here I have to say and it's been a, a few months in the making isn't it getting this all organized and everything but I'm so glad that we have and I'm really excited to hear what you have to share with everybody so thank you for inviting me I appreciate that thank you um so if you don't know who Catherine is Catherine is the the creative mind behind the seven steps to yes principle for heart-centered sales. Now, if you are somebody that has got a business and you struggle with selling, this is your lady to speak to because it's, I think as women, we can often feel quite icky about it. We're going to go into that in more detail in a minute, but, but essentially Catherine's got a 20 plus year career, haven't you? I mean, I, I remember watching you when I was even before I'd even started my business, I was watching your stuff. I think you're going to say when I was in nappies or something. No, no, not that young. <laughs> no, before I'd even started my business, I didn't even know what I was going to do at that point. And I was, I remember watching your videos. So yeah, I've been following you for, yeah. well, at least six years. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate what you do. And I think how you teach it is really authentic and it's, yeah, it's just lovely. So thank you. <laughs> Right now, everybody is joining us by the looks of it. I can just see a few people popping in. Madalena's here, Amelia's here, Sophie's here. Awesome. Right. Okay. So, if you've got any questions, please tell us as we're going along, and I'll get to your questions while we're talking. But um, essentially, we we're going to talk a bit about the seven steps to yes, weren't we? And you're going to give us some kind of selling tips, ideas. Um, one of the things that I noticed with the sacred money archetypes, that's one of the things that I teach people is how they money personality affects um, what they do with money, what they do with business, what they do with everything. There are certain archetypes that particularly struggle with this area and they are all the heart centered ones. They're all the, you know, the alchemist, the nurturer, the connector, the ones that really want to come across as authentic. They don't want to be icky or salesy or 
they don't want to come across as this person that's just money grabbing and that stops them doesn't it from from selling is that the sort of thing that you see too yes and actually you have your archetypes and i actually have a an authentic sales styles quiz now i've only got four profiles in my sales styles quiz but one of them is i call it the nurturer and i know you've also got a nurturer Mm -hmm. And actually, the majority of people who take the quiz and the majority of people who come and do my programs are nurturers in my quiz. Mm -hmm. And the nurturer is somebody who they're, they're primarily motivated by caring for and helping others. So very often, this will be interesting, Nikki, because very often they've had a career in something like, say, the health service where they have been paid to help and take care of others mm. and when they then leave to set up their own business they feel really uncomfortable about the idea of asking for money now of course they get paid in their jobs but something feels different for them then about you know i'm here to help i'm a good person i'm here to do good work i'm here to help people how can i possibly ask them to pay me for that help and they feel they feel icky. They feel like there's something just inherently wrong with being with charging money for making a difference. Mm. But also, this is a group of people who would be absolutely mortified if anybody thought that they were just after the money. Mm. And they are so afraid of coming across as though they're just after the money that they often shy away from sales altogether like they'd rather not even have a sales conversation than take that risk of being perceived as pushy or um, self-serving and this obviously really damages people's businesses because if you're not selling you don't end up getting clients and if you don't get clients you don't actually get to make any difference at all anyway yeah, no, completely, completely agree. And this is something I have definitely struggled with. And um, I was just telling Catherine while we just before we were getting ready that I've made, I, I've been using your technique. And this is the first time I've actually had the confidence to, to do that in person. And it's really, it's really made a difference. It's made a huge difference. So it's twice, 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 yeah. <laughs> Two, twice now. So yeah, it's um, before it was always a bit, I, I just felt wrong doing it. It didn't feel nice at all to sell. So actually your, your process yeah. has really shown me that it's a serving thing. It's not about being icky or self-serving. Yeah. And, and also, because if you do want to help people, um, it, it, some of you will have found this, some people watching will, have, will relate to this, others may not have experienced it yet, but it's actually really hard to help somebody if they haven't committed to the act of being helped. You can want to help people and try and help people and you're just like, like landing it on them and they're not open, they're not receptive. People are really only receptive to getting help when they've said, I actually want your help and I want it enough that I'm willing to make a commitment to that and I'm willing to pay you some money. And pretty much, Anybody who, you know, we all start out in business. We, we, we either don't charge very much or we want to do it for free because we want to help. But because the clients have got no skin in the game, they haven't made the commitment. Very often they don't end up getting the help because they just don't show up. They just don't commit. And mm -hmm. so you don't get to make the difference anyway. So that you, you really do serve your client because the moment at which they pay you, 
there's not just an exchange of money. The moment at which they pay you is also the moment at which they make a decision and they go, yes, I am serious. I'm serious about this. I want help with this thing. And that moment of commitment, even if you took the money out of the equation, it's the moment of commitment, which is the transformative bit. But of course, there has to be a financial exchange because there wouldn't be a moment of commitment without the financial exchange. Mm, yeah, that's the bit that it took, took me a while to get my head around. Mm. And, and actually, it's so true. I mean, I, I, why is it so easy for us to do it for ourselves? Yet when we ask someone to do it for us, that's the bit where it's the, the barrier. So, well, that, that's mm. what it was for me anyway. But what do you think about bartering? Because you were talking about money, but is it the same way you are swapping services or is there, does that add another layer of complexity to the whole thing? It depends. I, I am not a fan of bartering in this context. And it doesn't mean that I have never done it. And I am working with somebody right now where we have done an exchange. The problem with the, the thing about bartering is the principle of it is fantastic, right? Let's not brilliant principle. The problem with it is that people who have difficulty selling and talking about money because they've got unhealthy mindsets around sales and money will often barter because it feels easier than selling. And then they're agreeing an exchange on something that they don't even want or need. And that's because you're if, if you barter for something that you don't actually want or need just because you want to be a nice person, you're not getting paid and then you do not have a business. So I'm not a fan of bartering because I see people use it as an excuse not to sell and then they're not taking themselves forward financially. And then in other cases, it makes sense. So I'm working with somebody at the moment where I was 100% ready and willing to buy her service and she was 100% ready and willing to buy from me. And we said, hey, why don't we just exchange our time instead? I would have paid her the money and she would have paid me the money. That's the difference. It's not like sometimes people, when I have my, my course open for enrollment, I get emails from people saying things like, hey, I'm a social media expert. Can I have your course? And I'll do your Instagram for free for three months or whatever. And it's just, <laughs> no, like it's not, I don't need someone to do my Instagram. It's, it's, a, it's a business. There needs to be a transaction. And I, yeah, and I, I just feel like it's, you need to make sure that if you're doing a barter, it's not really a barter, like you actually could. Um, and if you find that you barter because you know that you have stuff around sales, next time you're in a barter situation, why don't you try saying to the person, great, okay, so if we're going to barter, why don't you pay me and I'll pay you? I'll raise you an invoice, you raise me an invoice. Let's let's do it the business-like way just to get that in the muscle. Mm. Yeah, I just thinking how you've said that do you do you think that women in particular versus men have got this issue or do men have the same problems it's just that they they're better at hiding it maybe <laughs> you like you can never generalize you can you can generalize and of course there's a cross-section of people in every in both camps but yeah generally speaking women and some men struggle with this stuff more Mm -hmm. And then there are women and a lot of men who don't struggle with it at all. But I think it is more, more, I think you're right. Women do tend to struggle with it more than men. Although I do have men come and do my programs because they do struggle with, with sales and selling and they want to find more authentic and more service led and values led ways of doing it. Mm, yeah. Cause there are some really, um, 
really pushy ways of selling as well. And I think that I've spoken to people in this group actually that have that have really struggled with that, who have felt that they were being pushed sold at. So that's not what we're talking about, is it, at all? No, and actually that's a really lovely distinction because one of the things I talk about a lot is the, the difference between what I describe as traditional sales. So the sort of sales training that you that anyone will have come across if they've gone off and done a traditional sales training course, and also the typical style of sales that most people out there are using. So it's usually what we've experienced and it's what we think of as sales. And because that's our experience of being sold to, we think I don't want to do that to other people. So therefore, I'm not even going to try and sell because that's what it is. I teach something that I call heart centered sales. So you've got your traditional sales and then you've got your heart centered sales. Mm -hmm. Now, there are quite a few different there are a few differences and distinction points between the two approaches. But one of them is that the core focus of traditional sales is to get the client to say yes. The aim is to get the yes, the aim is to get the sale. So everything about the sales conversation is designed to get the person to say yes. It's very one-sided. It's all about um, the agenda of the salesperson and what serves them best. This is why there's a lot of focus on closing the sale, on objection handling, on manipulative techniques, because the aim of the game is close the sale, get the yes, or somehow you have failed. For me, with heart-centered sales, the aim of it is not to get the yes. It's to help the client come to a decision. Mm. And the decision might be no. And sometimes you as the salesperson can also see that the answer, that the decision is no. But the other thing, so I'm trying to teach two points at the same time here. The <laughs> other thing with the traditional sales is the yes comes from the salesperson it comes from outside the client and the salesperson is going you've got to be a yes you've got to be a yes let me just ram all this stuff at you and push and push and push and push and use all these techniques until you say yes i want the yes from you so the yes is coming from the salesperson with heart-centered sales the yes comes from within the client and i call it the internal yes so if you conduct the sales conversation really well, following the seven steps to yes that I teach, and we can you know, tell people how they can go and access that. If you do that well and you ask the right questions in the right order and you take the client on this journey, they go through their own internal decision-making journey and you get to a point in step six where they will feel the yes. The yes almost bubbles up inside them. It's like an energetic feeling where they're sort of leaning forward thinking, oh my gosh, this sounds great. Everything you're saying makes absolute sense. No one's ever explained it like this before. And you really get me. And they're leaning forward all the time. And I think I might want to do this. And the yes is coming within them. So my sales process is designed to help the client get the internal yes on their own. And then instead of you as the salesperson trying to force them into the yes, the yes is already there. They're not saying it yet. It's an internal yes. But then the conversation becomes more about coaching them around their concerns, exploring their pros and cons, finding out what's really going on for them. And it doesn't have that, that confrontational feel that you get from sort of objection handling where you're trying to force somebody into a decision. And then the other advantage of all of that is, of course, when the yes comes from within the client and they say yes and they commit and they pay you money, they are emotionally committed. They've made their own mind up. 
when somebody says yes because they've been browbeaten, bullied, shamed, or because actually you will not leave their living room until they say yes and you've been there for six hours already, there's a really high chance that they will cancel. And sometimes even that they will pay and not show up and commit to the work because they 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 feel the next day so clearly it was a mistake that even if they can't get their money back, the trust has gone and they don't show up and they don't do the work. So you get paid, but you don't get to make the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been on the receiving end of both those styles and definitely the one that I internally felt, yes, is the one that I stayed with. And then the one that I felt like we were just kind of bullied into it. Yeah, we did. We cancelled within 24 hours. We didn't actually carry on with with the thing that we were book, booking. So, yeah. So from from that perspective, I'm sure people watching have had very similar kinds of experiences um I can see people saying I'm in I'm in <laughs> yeah. yeah um but yeah I'm sure people here have actually had the same kind of sleazy bullying kind of techniques and and I've heard sales conversations before where people are educating that kind of fear tactic it's it's almost like a well what are you waiting for why you know why are you doing this why are you not doing it now kind of it's that pushy element isn't it but that's not what you're you're about at all so shall we go into the seven steps Absolutely, yes. <laughs> okay, so um, what's the first thing that someone needs to do? Okay, so the seven step process, the, the, the first step, and this is not, this is very much a structure, like um, something to guide the conversation. It's not necessarily like you ask the exact same questions in the exact same order but it's having this awareness oh it's like a pathway so i'm on step two now so this is roughly what i'm aiming to do in this step so step one is set the agenda it's really short just a couple of minutes but you're literally sort of reasserting the purpose of the call you re you might reconfirm they've got enough time set aside you might remind them of the purpose of that call and what's going to happen on that call and let them know what's going to happen and what to expect. And then depending on people's businesses, they may frame it up in different ways. There's different things you might want to say. So in my business, if I'm selling one to one, I'm usually selling something for no less than six thousand pounds. It's a big chunk of money for most people. And so. I know that if they're going to go ahead and work with me, the chances are that we're going to have a deep conversation about money. And so I do say right up front when I set the agenda, I'm going to ask you some questions because it helps me get to know you much better in order to help me um, know whether we would be a good fit to work together. And if there's anything that you feel you don't want to answer, that's totally fine. You can just let me know. Don't feel you have to answer anything that's not, you know, that doesn't feel comfortable. And that helps people feel safe. Um, I put a lot of focus on safety in a sales conversation, that if your client feels safe, they will open up and they will go with you on that conversation. And if they don't feel safe, they will put their, their barriers up. Mm. So that, that sense, so that's one. And different businesses will have different things that they pre-frame at that beginning. And also depending on how you've set up the sales conversation, there'll be different things, but you set the agenda. And the agenda is not about small talk. Um, people who are nervous about sales often turn up and they just start yapping. Oh, how are you? Wasn't the weather lovely today? Oh, you when when's your holiday? And oh, I've got a dog like yours. And and people think that you need to build rapport in sales, and you do need to build rapport. But if you start off with chit chat, what will happen is that the client themselves will very quickly take control of that conversation. 
Now, they might be a chitty chatty sort of person themselves, but they might not be. They might be like, let's just get to the point. And when your client decides to get to the point, they're probably just going to jump straight in with. So how much is it going to cost? And you've lost you've lost control of that process. So you set the agenda by by reminding them what you're here to do, what's going to happen, how long you're going to be on for. And then you go straight into step two, which is open up and open up is about building the rapport and you build the rapport instead of going on having a conversation about something that's completely unrelated to the reason that you're there you build rapport by asking very gentle non-threatening non-invasive questions about the thing that they've come for help with so great let me start by getting to know you um tell me what was it that prompted you to book this call with me today Oh, okay. So, you know, you're having trouble with your ch child's behavior. Great. How many children have you got? And how old are they? And where do they go to school? And, you know, what about your partner? You're asking these questions that feel very safe. No one's going to feel that you're probing too much and the conversation gets flowing. And then when you get this sense that the client is really comfortable, they're answering your questions, maybe they've even, you know, you, you can just feel the energy is very easy. You can then move into step three, which is explore problem. And this is where you go deep, but you can't run into this stage too soon if you haven't built the trust already. And this is where you want to start asking the more searching questions about whatever that problem is that they've come with. So I used um, the example there of somebody maybe who was coming to a parenting coach. And this is where you might say, you know, tell me about what's the worst what's the worst situation that's actually happened for you, you know, in the last three to six months? And don't worry, I won't be shocked. You know, I, I whatever it is, I, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to parents with this sort of problem all the time. And, you know, how does that make you feel as a parent? And how is this impacting on other areas of your life? What about your relationship? Do you find there's any strain in your relationship? Do you see you're asking these questions that's causing them to really dig deep into the problem. Now, what mm. you're not doing here is you're not creating problems and you're not creating fear. And you're not the one saying to them, oh, you know, if you don't sort this problem up, he's going to grow up to be a delinquent and a drug dealer and he'll probably be in prison by the time he's 22. You're not saying you're not creating the fear. But if the worry is there, the client will tell you the worry is there. And if that's their worry, they will tell you I'm I can't sleep at night sometimes because I'm so scared of what's going to become of him when he's old enough to leave home if, he, if we carry on like this. Then after you've explored the problem um, and you've really dug into the, the problem, then step four is test commitment. And this is a simple, really short question. You just want a sense of how serious is this person about solving the problem? So thank you for sharing all of that. I really hear how difficult things have been for you. You know, on a, you know, on a scale of one to 10, you know, one being actually you think things are OK and you're not that bothered and 10 being, you you know, you 100 percent sure your, you know, time is now is the time to do something about it. Where are you in terms of how serious you are about solving this problem? There's other ways of asking it as well, but you're literally testing in how serious are you about doing something about this? Then step five is compelling future. And this is where you ask questions about how would you like it to be instead? So imagine we were to work together on this and I was to support you with this. How could how would you like things to be six months from now? And you get them to paint a picture and describe how it's going to be, how it's going to feel. What are they doing as a family? How things are different? 
And the reason this is so important is because when you've taken somebody deep into the problem, very often one of the reasons that they won't go ahead and work with you is they actually have been mired in this problem for so long that they actually just cannot imagine it being any different or they've tried things already. And you need to be able to get them to be able to visualize and feel and step into the possibility that things could be different and could be really amazing. You also um, then in step, um, you also check in with them as part of step five. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that might stop them from going ahead? You know, if they felt that working with you was the right thing to do, is there anything that might stop them going ahead? Because you want to just start gathering any of their concerns or reasons that might get in the way. Then you move into step six and step six is present the solution. So by, by now you've been asking questions and your client has been talking mostly. Step six is where you now present the way that you work. You're going to ask their permission first because you don't want to come across very salesy. So this is where you'll say, thank you so much for sharing all of that. You know, having listened to you talk, you know, I really acknowledge you for, you know, everything that you've been doing on your own. Um, and I really feel that doing further work on this with me would really benefit you and your family. If it's okay with you, I'd like to take a few minutes to explain how I would work together and um, make a recommendation for one of my programs. And then you present your solution, i.e. the way that you work to the client and you do it in terms of its benefits and its value and the difference it's going to make and how it's going to resolve the problem that they have. This is where you let them know how it's going to work, how long for, how many sessions, if that's relevant, and the price, the investment. When you've done that, um, and there's a bit more to and that solution in a lot more detail. But when you've done that, you then move on to step seven. And step seven is ask for the decision. Now, a lot of people can conduct the entire sales conversation. And when it comes to ask for the decision, this is where they falter. Ask for decision is so simple. You literally want to ask them if they want to go ahead. And do you know how easy it is? There are different ways you can do it, but the easiest way of all is, so what do you think? Would you like to go ahead? Or even an, an even softer way of asking, so what do you think? Is this something you might be interested in doing? I love that word might, by the way, in your sales conversations. If you ever have got something to ask and it feels a little bit too forward, just insert the word might or maybe, because it softens it, because it turns it into a possibility question rather than a direct question. You know. Is this something you, you might be interested in, in doing? What do you think? That's literally all you need to do because then they're going to give you the answer. Yes, no, I don't know, maybe, I'm not sure. I need to think about it, I need to ask my partner. I don't know because I think the dog might eat my son's sandwich tomorrow and you know maybe the, you know, all the reasons basically. But that is your seven steps to yes process. Mm -hmm. um, and for those of you who want to get access to that, I've done it quick, quickly there. I've got other ways you can dive into it. I've got a video series where I go through the whole thing in about 35 minutes. So I'm going a bit deeper than I just did. And I've also got a whole course, but you have to pay for the course. And I go even deeper into it in the course. But the seven steps process, the free version on the video series, it, you know, if you've just found what I've said valuable, I'd recommend you go and sign up for that as well.
And that's at katherinewatkin.com forward slash seven steps, number seven steps. And Nikki, you're going to type it in, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to sort that out now. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it it sounds really straightforward when you put it like that. And, it's, and it is that when you, when you actually do the work on it, it's your own mindset, isn't it? It's your own mindset demons that you have to struggle with. It's not the process necessarily. It's the you taking a deep breath and actually opening your mouth and saying <laughs> saying the words and actually saying to somebody, yes, would you like to work with me? And it's beautiful when it actually goes, when it all works together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's a really lovely process. So um, there was what I was going to ask. Okay. So the, the other thing we were going to look at was some just some short quick top tips before we then finish and then the people in the membership will be having you to themselves for question and answer is that's yeah. right isn't we're it gonna do a, we're going to do a private so i i have a membership myself and so i know just how valuable it is to look after the members um within the membership and so you know i offered nikki to do an exclusive q and a session just purely for the members of her membership so we will be hopping over there and you know bring any questions those of you that are members come over bring any questions but yes before we before we go over um I'm going to share three top tips. And actually, Nikki, you know, when you've typed in free video series, I've got another link, which is katherinewalking.com forward slash seven steps with a number seven. It just might be yeah. easier for people to type in rather than needing to remember all those hyphens. I know my assistant sent that one to you. I need to correct her on that. Hang on. That's fine. They go to the same place, but I just find that the seven steps is easier for people to remember. And while you're doing that, yes. Yeah, so I, I also said to Nikki, let me share... Um, I want to share three tips to help you avoid coming across as pushy in your sales conversations. Like we said at the beginning, if you are a nurturer type um, in Nikki's archetypes and also a nurturer type in my authentic sales styles quiz, then um, you will struggle with the idea of being afraid of coming across as salesy or pushy because the last thing you want is for somebody to think that you are just after their money. And this can cause you to hold back from sales situations. The problem is there's the other side of the coin as well, that even when you are fully coming from service and you really care about what's best for the client and the money is just like the, the bonus. I mean, that's what my business is like. I love working with the clients that I serve. I love making a difference. And of course, mm -hmm. I want to get well paid for it. But the money becomes like the bonus for the making the difference. And that is the way a business works beautifully. It, it, but it can be, like, especially when you're really passionate about helping people, it's easy to accidentally come across as pushy. And I'm going to own up. You know, I had a nearly 20-year sales, sales career before I started this business. I've been running this business for 10 years now. And I still sometimes slip up and make that mistake, the mistake of being over-enthusiastic and overly in-service and accidentally coming across as pushy. So I want to share three tips with you that will help you help, help you avoid accidentally coming across as pushy the first and most important one i would say is always 
always set up your sales interactions so that your client knows that it's totally okay with you if they say no. Absolutely. So that there's no doubt in their mind that you are really happy for them to explore this and it's okay to say no. So they can come to your sales conversations feeling very safe that you're not going to end up pushing them into anything. And this also, you know, obviously it helps you avoid coming across as pushy. So this would be something like, for example, and you can do this at the beginning of your sales conversation when you're setting your agenda in step one, but you can also do it when you invite somebody to a sales conversation. So, you know, you know, based on what you based on what you said or based on what I saw you post in that Facebook group, I feel that, you know, I could I feel that I could help you with this through my work. I would love to invite you to have a conversation to explore it. Obviously, it's got to be right for you. And this work isn't right for everybody. But I would absolutely love to take the time with you to explore whether this is going to be a good fit. And if it's not, that's not a problem. I'll be delighted to spend the time with you anyway. Something like that. So you just you find your own words, you'll find your own way of saying it. But the principle of it is come and explore. And it is totally okay if you decide to say no. Um, the next tip that I'm going to share is just to rein in your passion a little, because when you really believe in what you do and you come across somebody who you know you can help, sometimes you're like like this fierce mama bear and you're like, oh, my God, I can so help you. You've got to say yes. And you talk at them and you just go on and on and you don't really listen. And it's so important that when you learn that seven step process I've just talked about, there's a time and a place or a time in that structure where you tell them about your program and invite them to join. And remember where I said that was? Step six. So, and remember, when did you start asking them about their problems? Step two. And some people, when you say to them at the beginning of step two, so tell me, what was it that prompted you to book this call with me today? The they're just going to open their floodgates. Blah! And they're going to tell you all of that. You, you, you don't even need to wait for step three. Step three is just going to happen because they're going to be doing step three. They'll be straight in there. And you're sitting there listening going, oh, my gosh, this sounds awful. I can so help you. And what happens is you jump. The tendency is to want to jump right in there and then. But when you do that, that's when you come across as pushy. If you jump in too soon to say you can help, people need to speak. They need to feel that you've listened. They need to feel heard and understood. And you need to take them through that entire first five steps before you invite them to work with you. Otherwise, what they experience is, but you've you've hardly even listened to me. I've only been speaking for 60 seconds and now you're trying to sell to me. You need to give people that space. So rein in your passion. Don't offer them the option to work with you until the right place in the conversation, which is step six. And the other thing is to always... The third tip is to always ask permission. So this is at any point when you think that you're about to do something that might make the client feel a bit awkward, anything where you think it might make you feel a bit awkward and anywhere there's a risk that it might come across as salesy, you ask permission. And this might be that you want to ask them some more questions. They just said they can't afford to work with you. And you feel that you want to explore that more deeply because otherwise you're just letting them off the hook and it might just be mindset or fear of something. But you wouldn't just jump straight in and say, oh, you tell me you can't afford it, but how much do you actually earn? Instead, you would say, 
you know, I hear you that it might feel like a lot of money. Do you mind if I ask you a few more questions about it? Or you might say, if it wasn't the money, would you be going ahead? Okay, great. Is it okay if I ask you some more questions about that? You get their permission to ask the difficult questions. And again, when you're coming to step six and you're about to present your offer, you don't just leap in because, again, this is what feels salesy. It's what feels pushy. But this is where you, again, you acknowledge them. Thank you so much for everything you've shared so far. I really appreciate that you have opened up and shared in that way. I really, based on what we've talked about, I really do feel that I could help you. Is it okay with you if I take a few minutes to explain how I work and make a recommendation for one of my programs? They will always say yes. Always. They will always say yes. In the rare occasion, they say, no, at least you've just saved yourself five minutes explaining what you do. But the very mm -hmm. fact that you have permission means that they're with you, that they're on the same wavelength with you. It's like you're, you're in partnership on the same path. It's not one of you chasing the other one down. So there, those are three things that you can start doing that will help reduce that feeling. You know, if you do those three things, your potential client will never feel like you're being pushy. And it's the exact same conversation. It's just changing those few things. So it just feels that little bit more safe for the client. Mm, no, I love that. I love, love that so much because it's it, it can feel really scary both sides and I've been in a situation before where I felt like I couldn't say no and that's that's more because me wanting to people please I think more than yeah. anything else you actually don't want someone like that you don't want somebody to come and join you because they felt like they've said yes because they don't want to say no out of politeness I know you know what I need to do a course on how to say no as well I remember once <laughs> one of the members of my membership um we were speaking for some reason and she she actually confided in me that another that another member had offered her a call to help with something had then turned it into a sales conversation and she had said yes and bought from this woman and it was about a thousand pounds because because she didn't want to say no and let down another one of my members it was just like crazy crazy thinking but a lot of people are but such people so people pleasing that you will buy from somebody rather than say no to them so yeah never mind the seven steps to yes i need to create a new course don't i the three steps to no <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i think that'll be it'll be a great yeah. one i'll be back for that one as well yeah. for healthcare <laughs> professionals yeah exactly exactly yeah. for um Awesome. Right. Uh, thank you, Catherine, for, for being in the group with us. Yeah. And thank you for having me. And of course, Nikki's shared the link there to the seven steps. And then, you know, what, when you sign up for that, there I have I have a business membership and I also have um, a course around this whole um, it's called Get More Clients Saying Yes. It, it takes you through how to go from a standing start to enrolling paying clients. So um, those are things that you'll then be in the loop to hear about. And the membership is opening next around the first two weeks of May, if that's something that you, that Nikki's a member of. Am I allowed to say that? that you're absolutely, a yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We've all got to learn somewhere, haven't we? So yeah, yeah I've, um, I've really taken a lot from the membership and it's for me it's like the networking as well it's the connections that you make and I think that's what happens in my membership too it's the it, it we they're all forming groups and friendships and, and it's it's lovely to sort of see people interact in that way so it, that's what I get from your membership too so yeah awesome Great. thank you well thank you for having, thank you so much for having me everybody we'll see you again soon bye, bye. <laughs>
And that's it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Money Medicine Clinic podcast. If you want to take a deeper dive with your money, then come and join us in the Abundance Clinic membership and use the link bit.ly forward slash Abundance Clinic and apply the code TAKE10 at the checkout to apply the $10 off for your first month to come and try it out. I really look forward to meeting you. I hope that you will take the plunge and come and do something amazing for your money. So you take care and I'll see you in the next episode.